It's Dr. Ron Kaiser, and you know I'm all about wellness and all about prevention. And with that in mind, I'm happy to welcome the sponsor of this podcast, NutriSense. Do you know that your blood sugar levels can significantly impact upon how your body feels and functions? The NutriSense program lets you analyze in real time how your glucose levels respond to food, exercise, stress, and sleep. Here's how it works. You wear a continuous glucose monitor that's called a biosensor, and you have an app on your phone, the NutriSense app that helps you to scan your glucose levels, visualize data, log meals, run experiments, and much more. And then on top of that, you get expert dietitian guidance. Now, there are significant benefits from knowing your glucose level, and that can include weight loss if that's desired, stable energy throughout the day, better sleep, and understanding which foods are good for you. I personally have used the NutriSense system, and I learned how making a few tweaks in the way that I eat has helped me to be more energetic and productive throughout the day, and especially to avoid that early afternoon slump that I know some of you share. So, what I strongly encourage you to do is go to NutriSense.io slash goal, G-O-A-L, and that's a special code for listeners to this program. You'll be able to both learn about the various subscription plans that NutriSense has, and it also enables you to enroll for one. And as a special gift to our listeners, if you use that sign-up code, you will get $30 off of a subscription plan, as well as a month of free dietitian support. So that's NutriSense, N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E dot I-O slash goal, G-O-A-L. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, and also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is the Mental Health Gym. It's your place to go for all kinds of wellness-related information, uh, including things about rejuvenating, positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology. And also, it's the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is always to bring you interesting, informative guests who are great role models for how to live their lives enthusiastically and to help us become better versions of ourselves. 
And our guest today is able to do this in a very unique way. I think you're going to be real excited by what she has to say. And we're going to really be able to apply some of the principles that she teaches us to our own lives and making ourselves really better versions of ourselves and lead our lives really enthusiastically and positively and in a healthy manner. Uh, Dr. Neetha Bhushan is a cosmetic dentist turned three-time international best-selling author. Uh, so when I when I brag about my book, I guess I sh should have toned it down, but I, I, I'll keep writing. Um, and she is world-renowned emotional health advocate. She's also the founder of Global Grit Institute, a wellness education platform for optimizing well-being. You can kind of see why I wanted her on this show. Uh, and co-founder of Dharma Coaching Institute, a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest versions of themselves. And in addition, she has just written a new book that is being published almost as we speak called, it's called That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. I know I got to the first part in, in my life, now that sucked, now what? But I'm really hopeful that uh, Neetha will be able to pull us, uh, me particularly, and all the rest of us out of any of these messes. You know, those awful, terrible sucker punch moments in life, the ones that knock you down, burn you up, and make you cringe so hard you wish it was all a bad dream. We all probably do at some times or other, hopefully not too often, but sometimes. And these messy moments of chaos are just part of life. Yet, as Dr. Bouchon teaches us, uh, they're also beautiful opportunities for change. Kind of hard to imagine, but hopefully we're going to leave here knowing that. And she's going to discuss why it's so hard to get back up when stuff goes down and how to navigate the five stages of the fly forward framework. Mm -hmm. Mouthful of Fs, but I'm going to let her uh, discuss it. I have the, the P's of the type P personality. She's got the fly forward framework. And so we're really looking forward to hopefully being able to learn all this stuff in one podcast. I'm already thinking we may need her more than once, but Neetha, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. We're so excited to have you with us and Dr. to learn from you. Oh my gosh. Well, Dr. Ron, I first want to say thank you so much. That was such a beautiful intro and I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am looking forward to these moments ahead of us, uh, which I know will be interesting, meaningful, and you've got such a great personality as well as such a great fund of knowledge. I'm sure uh, the listeners going to love you. Uh, but let me start a little bit by uh, before, before teaching us anything, 
Uh, let's learn a little bit about your journey. You were uh, a cosmetic dentist. I, I I think there's pretty good money in that. I don't know why you would want to leave, but uh, I'm sure there is a story. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you got to be who you are today. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it, it definitely didn't happen overnight. Um, I think that, you know, many of your listeners, we all have, as many of your listeners, we all have, you know, various seasons of life. And I think the season of life that I was in when I had my very first kind of in the book, I talk about a concept called the fall. And the fall is when we either literally have a fall, some sort of a health diagnosis or some sort of unexpected outcome. And for me, I was at the pinnacle of what I thought my top level of my career was. I had purchased a practice. I had, you know, all of the trappings of traditional conventional success, what it would all look like. And I had also gotten married while I, uh, while I had this cosmetic dental practice. So from the outside, I was living my best life. I, uh, I had gotten married, had a, this beautiful wedding and married somebody from dental school. And so picture perfect until actually it was not at all. And, and I had to really confront a lot of things that I was hiding from the world, from my family that I was actually really ashamed about. And I was really going through a very deep time in my life that I had basically neglected and hid for so long and not really dealt with a lot of my losses growing up. And so from the outside, people thought, oh my gosh, he's got it all together. Yet from the inside, I was actually going through a very tumultuous marriage. I was in a toxic relationship and I, there was a point in time and it was December 31st. And so every year around that time of the holidays, it's kind of like a remembrance for myself of, all right, I had to make a decision because when you have a fall, whether it's a health diagnosis, a medical diagnosis, a friend loss, a job loss, something, there comes a point where we have, we, we get ignited and we get ignited. Like there is like a match that's lit under our bellies, but there is something that tells us either the pain is so big that we have to take drastic action. And for me, my drastic action was leaving my haphazard marriage in the middle of the night, doing then all of the things that I never, ever thought I would do, which was file a restraining order. I mean, things got kind of dark before it got lighter again. And I think for a lot of listeners, you know, we have pivotal moments of our life that we can say, wow, that really sucked. And for me, the divorce was just the icing on top because for a whole decade before that, I had pretty much kind of bypassed a lot of my healing. And I put that in the form of overachieving, overworking, academics, accolades, all of those things, because I was a product of, you know, Asian parents and they were tiger parents. And my dad was from India. My mom was from the Philippines. You know, they only knew what they knew. And so I became that cosmetic dentist, but I lost them early on and I actually grew up really early. I grew up at the age of 10. I was taking care of my mom 
And so um, between the ages of 10 and 19, I would lose my mom, my brother, and my dad. Uh, and so both of my parents died of cancer, and I had my middle brother who died of an asthma attack. And so during that period of nine years, either I was in and out of hospital settings, taking care of my mother and or getting painful phone calls uh, that were gut-wrenching and sucker punched for me uh, to then really dysregulate my nervous system. And so when I talk about, you know, embracing the joy and chaos and finding magic in the mess, I feel like that's been my through line of life of like, how can you find magic in the mess when there is so much of that chaos going on? When you haven't really coped with some of the big things that happen because of the human experience. And so that December 31st was like my full awakening really of me waking up to what I had neglected for so long, which was myself. And so then in the years following that, I would say yes to all sorts of healing therapy, positive psychology, you know, all different modalities of healing. It took me all around the world. And I really wanted to spend time with people who are not only successful in different ways, but had also been through a lot of life like me, because I was like, I need to learn from them. And I need to know that there is a different way. Because for me, it was just the carrot on the stick, the trappings of success. Let me, let, let me keep going until I couldn't go anymore. And, and that gave me so many answers and I started dabbling in different things. And I knew that my next chapter or my next season of life wasn't really going to be within the walls confined to a dental practice. And so I, I exited and sold my practice in 2015 and I was I was just following this voice of like, and one of the concepts in the book that I talk about, which is how to increase your bounce factor. And there's four parts to your bounce factor. But one of the things that I did was saying yes to new opportunities. Because when we say yes to new opportunities, as you probably know, Dr. Ron, we're also activating different neurons. We're also activating different pathways in our brain and for me, I like to call that good stress, because if we're increasing that good stress, maybe we're walking a little bit more around the block or, you know, physicalities, right? Lifting more weights. That's just like one example. For me, I was practicing um, good stress by saying yes to the things that scared me. So I said yes to an improv class. I said yes to second city, you know, stand up comedy class. Like things were, my life was so dark and heavy, but yet I was saying yes to the opposite thing that fully scared me, which then started getting me out of my comfort zone to build new, new pathways. Well, that's, Certainly an inspiring story. I hope it wasn't too painful. I, I didn't know what I was going to get into when I asked the question. I really appreciate you sharing. And you're certainly the kind of the poster child for what you talk about uh, and how you can help people in this regard, because it's hard to imagine. Uh, well, it, let me put it the other way. It's easy to picture somebody going downhill rather than embracing things. And what you've done is really set the model for kind of learning 
kind of as a lifelong kind of thing that I think if if we utilize that concept, we're probably part of the way toward embracing uh, your philosophy. And, and we talked about the fact that, or at least I introduced you with the fact that you're the founder of the Global Grit Institute. Now, aside from the Institute itself, which I'm interested in hearing about, uh, grit is one of those words uh, that people use, and not everybody has a, a real clear definition. So what should we be thinking about when we think about grit? Because I think that uh, probably is one of the, the real principles that that you consider to be very important. Oh, yes. So, well, Global Grit Institute is the mental health hub that I have for entrepreneurs and leaders and founders and coaches, because many times when we're building a business or many times where we are inspiring our team members, we need that grit. And I use grit as an acronym, actually. If we think of, um, you know, just everyday grit, it is that tenacity to hold on when things are tough. And I'm sure that's part, probably part of like the Webster Dictionary somewhere. Um, but the way that I define it is really an acronym. So I use GRIT as an acronym to grow, reveal, and innovate and transform. And that's based off of my very, very first book in 2016, Emotional GRIT. And, you know, this book, That Sucked, Now What?, is kind of that second chapter of that. It's kind of talking about uh, the the audacity of resilience, the audacious resilience that we can all have because grit is one aspect of like holding on to when things are tough and using it as an acronym to grow when you've gone through something difficult or challenging and to reveal what that part of yourself is ready to reveal and innovate or shift shift or uh, commit to a change and then actually start to transform your life. So now when we look at phase two or chapter two or this next book with that stuff, now what? It's really a full combination because we're talking about, well, you know, that sucked, whatever that was, um, whether it was a small, you know, sucky moment or a really big pivotal moment that took you by surprise. And how do we then build mental fortitude or mental health or, you know, as, as you say, your mental health gym um, to then reveal a new page in our book in our next chapter of life to say, now what? And it's not to say that we can't get into and, you know, really feel bad for ourselves in the suck because I'm not saying to bypass. I think we definitely need to embrace it. And even for me, for years, even decades, I did a really good job of like shoving things under a rug, pretending like everything was okay. Remember, I'm a cause I was a cosmetic dentist. So like I can fix your teeth if you're not internally feeling well. And honestly, that didn't really resonate with me anymore. I wanted to actually work internally from within to, to to bring out what was actually being hidden underneath the surface. And so the now what piece is that vulnerability to say, mm, I'm actually not doing well. I'm actually struggling right now. And to be able to honestly say and share how you're feeling. And I think that is the beauty. And that's when I talk about resilience 
you know, when I was growing up, Dr. Ron, I was told to be strong. You're a strong girl. That's why these things are happening. You're so strong. Keep being strong. And so for me, I thought, okay, I've got to hold it together. I can't let out this painful cry. I can't let out. I, I, I can't break. And when we talk about resilience in this book, it's really about resiliere from Latin is to bounce. And so when we actually think of, you know, the metaphor of having a rubber ball or a basketball in our hands, we touch it. We're like, oh, okay. There's a little bit of give. It's not as strong as like glass that if I let it go, it's just going to shatter into a million pieces. But if I hold a ball up, well, I can touch it. It has a little bit of a give. And if I let it go, well, it might bounce a little bit. It might bounce really high, but the beauty of it is there is that agility. There is that flow. There is that softness. And so with resilience, it's not just about being tough, but it's about being in the flow. It's also about allowing yourself to experience and feel and not resist what's coming up. There's so much uh, to unpack here, but uh, before I ask the next real question, I do have to provide a disclaimer because I'm working on a course uh, that hopefully we'll get into a book for couples who have retired and are home all the time. And I, at least my working title is you're together all the time now. Now what? Uh, so the now what, I'm not stealing that from you. I just want <laughs> you to know that uh, when you see it appearing, I am not I'm not giving any royalties for it. I thought of it independently, but it's a great uh, it, it's a great addition to your to your title. Uh, that's uh, now what? Um, well, Ron, I want to tell you my I want to send my uh, my aunt and uncle who were basically the ones who raised me uh, because they're also retired, and I bet they would definitely really enjoy that course. <laughs> Okay, well, hopefully that'll give me an incentive to complete it. Because uh, now we, you talked about the the word falling when when you started out, and I believe that that's isn't that like the first step in the fly forward framework. So again, I don't know why I, I'm having more trouble with Fs than than Ps, <laughs> but uh, maybe just more experience with with using the type P personality, but can you kind of give us a, a brief overview of the, the fly forward framework? Absolutely. So, you know, in my book, I kind of uh, broke it up into three parts because if you're coming through this and you just experience the loss or you just experience, you know, the second half of life and you've been through a lot of life, there is always, it, it always starts with that fall, the falling moment. And it could be a big fall, like maybe getting into a car accident or a small fall, like perhaps maybe getting into an argument with a, with a child of yours or a spouse, a friend, something that didn't go to plan. So there's something that happens that's unexpected and it triggers that fall where it triggers for you to then get into the second stage which is your ignition, you're ignited, your something has sparked within you where you're figuring out, mm, should I change my habits right now? Should I go see that doctor? Should I finally go see that therapist or, 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 or work with that coach? Like what something is happening for you to uh, seek 
help and do and go out of your comfort level. And many times when we're faced with a fall and then we're ignited, stage two, many times if we're not ready, we'll try to suppress it. We will try to minimize it. We'll try to shove it under a rug. We'll try to quiet, you know, what's coming up, right? We'll ignore it. We'll distract it, numb it, ignore it. And there's so many ways that we we do this, right? Watching TV or um, scrolling, et cetera, until it gets so big and it's so loud. But when and if we do choose that adventure is what I'm calling it, then we get into stage three through five. And stage three through five, that's really when that shift and the transformation can happen because When we get into stage three, we're in rising stage. And when we're rising, it's almost like, oh, we're finding our two feet. We know that things are a little complicated. They're complex. You're trying to find a new groove, maybe even new confidence in this way of life. And you're saying yes to discomfort and you're leaning into discomfort and uncertainty. And these are the two emotions that prominently comes up because no one wants to feel uncertain and no one wants to feel uncomfortable, but this is where we lean into that good stress. Whether it's physical, we're going to the gym, whether it's eliminating certain foods from our diet, or maybe it's practicing having clear conversations with people that you probably just never had to do and, or maybe you were avoiding them. And this is where my love for difficult conversations uh, comes into play because when we're talking about emotional health, when we're talking about emotional resilience, this is one thing that most people kind of avoid. And because we're ruminating thoughts in our mind, and it doesn't mean that in rising, you're not going to feel skeptical sometimes, but you'll also have room for openness. It's okay to feel reserved, um, but you're also feeling the sense of openness because it's new. So there is the paradox of two different emotions that simultaneously live together. And so my invitation is to embrace and experience all of the messiness that can come in during that time of rising. And then when you do, you actually get into a state of magnifying and magnifying means that you're accepting this new reality. And this new reality is maybe you're restarting your life over and figuring out what works for you in this stage of life. And maybe even, you know, figuring out how to rediscover your partner in this way as well. And and you're accepting that, okay, it's going to be so different than what you've ever done before, but you're you're accepting this reality. So you're saying yes to new things. And then we get into stage five, which is thriving, where you are now paying it forward for other people. So maybe you write a book. Maybe you volunteer at an organization. Maybe you're you know, doing a free lecture somewhere else, or basically you're sharing your wisdom and your stories with others without shame, without guilt, without any remorse or regret. It just is what it is. And so that's the beauty. And when we get into stage five of thriving, it doesn't mean that we're constantly flourishing. We will still have our falls. But because we know all the tools, and I talk about a lot of emotional regulation tips and tools, especially if you grew up with this idea that, oh, just like me, okay, good girls don't cry, 
good girls don't get mad or angry, but then you find yourself constantly getting angry with your partner and you don't know how to emotionally regulate. So we have a whole uh, list of those tools in the magnify chapter, but then when we get into thriving, you have those tools so that your falls aren't as deep or big, as heavy as they once was before you knew uh, the fly forward framework. Oh, that's that's an excellent uh, summary. And if I'm hearing correctly, then no matter how healthy you are, if everybody's read your books and taken your programs, um, it doesn't make you immune from things that suck, but the fall may not be as uh, as deep and your ability to bounce back and, and handle it is greater. Uh, am I correct? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. When we're open to that, then we're not beating ourselves up because or ruminating because something didn't work out. We're not ruminating that, oh man, I should have taken that deal. I should have said yes to that thing. Or why did I invest in that thing? And then we're constantly like in our heads judging that instead of saying, okay, this is what it is. And I'm going to say yes to this adventure. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole and we're, we're going to find the magic in that mess. Yeah. Ruminating is always a no win situation. <laughs> and, uh, so many of us are good at it. It just, uh, can't have a lot of experience with it. So I'm wondering if, uh, your parents had read your book and if, we, as I know, we do have listeners who have uh, kids at home and are raising them. And uh, yeah, and we can't keep them safe from having lousy things happen to them if they're human beings living in this world. But uh, are there some general principles that maybe uh, parents can do to make, uh, again, if, if your parents had read the book, could they have made it a little easier on you? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, I, they were, they were my guides and my angels, honestly, during this book process. And, and this book actually came to life when I entered motherhood because I, my, my son, who's now four, but when he got into what I call the terrific twos and, and my daughter shortly, you know, followed in suit, she's, she's now 18 months, but it was through this like soup of entering this stage of motherhood where I had to uh, cope with like re-identifying myself as well as reparent the little girl in me that had to grow up so fast that didn't really have that guidance or that wanted to rebel so bad because I had to be caring for, you know, a caretaker when I was a teenager. And so a lot of those emotions definitely surfaced. And for any parent out there who is struggling with their teenager, I'll tell a quick story because when I wrote my very first book, Emotional Grit, I was already living um, in the Bay Area and I'd asked by a group of moms who were mothers of teenagers and they wanted me to come to their very prominent neighborhood uh, in the Bay Area called Palo Alto. And that's where all of the tech giants and companies are. And they wanted me to speak to their their group. And apparently that year they had lost three, I think it was three to suicide. And it's not uncommon for that community to lose 
kids to suicide because there's so much of that pressure in that area. And that really stuck with me. And this was even way before I even entered motherhood, but that stuck with me because they asked, Nita, is it possible to build resilience even though many of us would not have a story like yours? In other words, do we need to go something through something or do our kids need to go through something that terrible and bad in order to actually build resilience and build mental toughness just like you? And for me, that begged a different question. And so there's a concept that I talk about in part two, which is the bounce factor. And that's basically uh, what prompted this whole idea of the bounce factor, meaning that there's four parts to your bounce factor. And anybody raising kids right now, we have to also understand where our, the first part is understanding your upbringing. Like, were you allowed to raise your voice or speak your mind or speak your truth at the dinner table. Because many times the way we were interacted with, with our special, with our caregivers when we were younger, it's going to translate out into the world and our patterns and relationships over years and years and years and years and decades. And so much so that even my great aunt who, actually my aunt, my dad's sister, who is, you know, generationally ancestrally from India, she there's there's still this dynamic between she and I because her mom never accepted her. So she was really tough on me. And then, you know, if I didn't stop that pattern, then I would then be really tough on my daughter because subconsciously in her mind, she thought because her mom, my grandmother, thought that girls weren't of value in society way back then in India, there's a whole generational component there, right? And so we have to look into our upbringing. So that's part one. And part two, I talked about this already, which is your ability to handle good stress, your current environment. What are you exposing yourself to? What are you exposing your kids to? If we're helicopter parenting our kids where we're going to call the teachers and say, actually, you know, they can't turn in that homework assignment today, or actually I'm going to call the the, the head of the internship department and we're going to get you another internship. Like if you are going to solve all your battles for your kids, how are they going to build that audacious resilience to be okay with rejection, to be okay with not getting the job because that's part of human the, the human experience and that's part of their experience. So while we don't want to see our kids in pain, right? When my son started walking, all I wanted to do, because he was so frustrated and he would get up and then fall. And then he would like have a moment and like kick and scream because he really wanted to get up and then he would try and then fall again. But if I were to, you know, hold him and like, let him just walk, then he probably wouldn't learn how to walk on his own, you know, without my support. Right. And so, so many times we think we need to support, you know, them in that way. And many times they'll thrive without that. So that's part two. Part three is the emotional capacity. And part four is your radical self-awareness. So the emotional capacity is a big one that most kids and parents get stuck on because the parents are not many times either okay with their own emotional capacity to feel. Like they were taught emotions were not a good thing. They were taught that there's only one kind of emotion that's that's good in the house, whether it's let's be happy and joyous all the time or sadness, crying, screaming, 
rage, anger is not healthy at all. So we have to minimize our emotions. And then we get anxious or mad, or we can't hold the emotional capacity of our kids when they're just trying to express. It's kind of like saying to my two-year-old, when I wrote this book, began to start writing the, 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 you know, the beginnings of this book, when he was so uncontrollable, he's too, he, he didn't have his prefrontal cortex was not formed, you know, by any means, but he was just flailing his arms, bouncing his head. And if I were to say, stop crying right now, I'll give you something to cry about. Then I'm passing down what my parents did and probably what their answers did ancestors did to them. Instead of just holding that container of saying, you know what, I have you cry, express, feel your feelings. And, and I'm talking about a two-year-old, but what about a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old? Like they look to you for that support. And we can think about it as adults. Like, you know, we know we have that one person, hopefully you do. And if not, maybe there is somebody around that, that could just hold you. If you have a moment to release some sort of tension or anger, they're not going to judge you for having a big emotion, but maybe they're there. And then they just say, okay, it's going to be okay. Uh, and so that's, that's what I would pass on to parents. Really, really interesting and, and very useful, but uh, and I know we're running short on time, but I have to ask you this on behalf of my peers and, and me and working with them that, you know, I can see some people who say that this is really great advice for somebody else, but it's a different level to say that sucked, that I got to this point, retired, and I now I have heart disease or cancer or something, or I lost my spouse, uh, or, you know, that the, the, the second half century of life can be such a, a great, exciting time. But some of the things that suck really do suck kind of badly. And, you know, depression can be a, a major uh, situation. Any, any particular advice to the kind of people who will say, interesting book, yes, but this is a different level of thing. Yeah. And I've, I've been through the loss. I've been through caretaking. I've been through watching both my parents um, die in ICU to cancer. I lost my great aunt who helped raise me, lost my grandmother who also raised me to, uh, you know, to Alzheimer's. My great aunt, on her dying day, she was she got embezzled by hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, and got catfished because she wanted to find love again at 77. And then a month later, I don't think I've shared this any anywhere, um, but I'm sharing it contextually because there is a lot that kind of happens in that second half of, of life. And and I, I've seen so many of my elders go through a lot of that pain and that anguish, and there can be a different way. You can probably pick one or two things from you know the book. I have so many in that now what stage. I, I know you're doing your, your your course on that, but you know now what can look like you know how we train our minds, and many times, and what I talk about in the book is you know what is that emotion that we want to feel. Because if things are so big and so tough, 
many days and I have been through, you know, depths of, of, of depression. I didn't even know what that word meant until much later, until I finally found the contrast of joy. And so those two things can live together, that there can be moments. And I'm not asking that you need to choose joy all the time, because for many of you listening to this, maybe that joy is just this time that you're listening to the podcast and that's all you need. But maybe there is that hope and there is that faith and that every step you're just doing the best that you can. And it's just one step because that is the leaning into that discomfort. That is allowing yourself to embrace the suck, but maybe not sitting in the suck for too long and how to take action and getting out of the suck could be joining a community, finding what I call your soul support posse, another person um, that could ride this journey with you. Or maybe you're just coming in and, and listening to you know Dr. Ron's podcast all weekly when this comes up, but allow yourself to Find the slivers of joy in your day. And it could be that one moment, that one thing. And I talk a lot about rituals uh, in the book. And, you know, for me in the season and stage of life, and even when I was going through probably the depths of pain, I always remembered that because I was taking care of so many people, you know, there wasn't really time to take care of myself. I didn't even know what that looked like. But then when I got into motherhood and now when there's, you know, probably not very much time to myself, I choose an act. I choose to take a bath. I choose to go walk in nature and just if I can, or I choose to listen to an audiobook, something that will perhaps shift my state, even, for, even if it's for a little bit. And I have a whole ton of resources there as well. Yeah, this has been great. And I know we're only scratching the surface on things that you can contribute to our knowledge base in, in such an important area. So uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, I, I mean, I'd really like to keep talking to you indefinitely, but uh, what I'd like to do is uh, kind of finish up by having a, you maybe run through what your books are and also what your programs are, where people can follow you, uh, how people can get in touch with you if that's an option, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. We will have it in the show notes. So if, if somebody's driving, you know, you'll, you'll be able to recapture all, all the links and information, but uh, you run by kind of your, your menu of. <laughs> sure. I'll keep it super simple. Uh, Dr. Ron. You can definitely grab the book on Amazon or just go to the website that sucked. So S-U-C-K-E-D, that sucked now what.com. It's just all one URL, that sucked now what.com. Actually, when you do order the book, it comes with a five-day free healing practice. And we start by healing our relationships. We start by, you know, calling in optimal energy and vitality because sometimes it is hard to get up in the day and want to do something. Uh, we talk about abundance on day three. We talk about taking brave action and how we can get out of the suck. And in on day five, we bring it back to ourselves. How can we start healing ourselves? And so 
so this is such a, a a gift, and I'm I'm so excited uh, to to share it with your with your audience. But I do have a podcast, The Brave Table, and we have brave conversations, and we talk about taking brave action in our relationships and in our life, and that drops um, semi weekly. And uh, Global Grit Institute, it's where we have all of our programs on emotional health uh, training as well. Does that have its own website or? Mm-hmm. And that's globalgrit.co, C-O. So globalgrit, G-R-I-T dot C-O. Okay, terrific. And uh, the are, are you uh, on social media or anything? I am everywhere. I am on, you can find me on Facebook, on uh, Instagram. Uh, you can uh, send me a note at Nita Bouchon on Instagram and even on Facebook. Okay, that's really, really wonderful. And uh, I hope that we will have another conversation because there's so much that I know that I can learn from you and really want to share with the listeners. And thank you very, very much for for sharing all this with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Ron. What a pleasure to sit with you. Appreciate you having me on. And that brings to the close another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser with Dr. Neetha Bouchon, who's given us tons of information. I strongly recommend her book and and, uh, lots of other things that she has to offer. It really creates a real new positive way of thinking and I said at the beginning that we always try to bring a guest who helps us become the best versions of ourselves. And uh, we've learned some strategies and there's tons more to learn from Neetha. So I hope that you will download the episode. You'll tell your friends about it. You will write and review uh, and again, visit her websites and Order the book. I mean, it's it's. I mean, what we talked about today is just a small fraction of of what you find available to you. And and you know, we're not talking about something that affects other people. We're all affected by the principles that you know we all have lousy things that happen to us, but that's external. What we do internally is what we can really gain from and move forward with our lives and not let the things that suck define us, but rather our our activities for doing so. And so um, while next week we'll have a challenge topping the bar that Neetha set for us today, we will have another really top guest who's going to help us in becoming better versions of ourselves, living our lives with enthusiasm. In the meantime, do that every day and uh, be back next time. Remember, visit the website, the Mental Health Gym, and stay positive and stay safe. <laughs>